I'll send you a copy if I decide that we're going to go inside. We'll start discussing the ideas of the last section outside. I might just read a little bit from inside um, to you. But the last section of the Mimer discusses the second half of the verse of Mayim Rabbim. We said the first half is Mayim Rabbim la yuchlu la that the many waters cannot extinguish the love and the rivers cannot wash it away. And it ends off with in yiten ish if a man would give all of the wealth of his home for love, they will, nothing can compare, they say, nothing can compare to the love, they will disparage him. And before we get into that, I've just been thinking, so I thought why not share, um, that we are in Parshas Lech Lecha already, right? We're not in Nayaf anymore. And this will happen a lot throughout the year that we're learning a mimer that doesn't exactly perfectly align up with the Parsha, but it's just so interesting how the message of my Rabbim from Pasha Snayach, of this Mimer, is that the perfect caveat into this week's Pasha of Lech Lecha, because we can really be left with the question, as much as we've discussed about the love, and we've discussed how the challenges raise us up, we can be left with the question of, is my soul really <coughs> that dedicated and connected to Hashem, that no matter what challenge ever hits me in my entire life, I'm still going to love God. And not only am I going to still love Him, that the love will always be there and it can never be extinguished, but it's going to get stronger and stronger the more it gets challenged. And uh, we know... We know that uh, the last part of the minor is basically discussing this question. Because there's two... Usually there's two options when you want something and you don't have it, which is... The idea of the mind, right? We've said the quote from the Valshem many times now. Um, and I always forget exactly how it's worded. If only we had God when we had him as much as we had God when we wanted him but did not have him. Right? That the connection, the infinite love comes from the want. Right? Which is the idea of where a Valshem stands versus a tzaddik. But we know that when it comes to wanting, yearning, longing, loving, and not having in the real world, there's two options, Right? For example, there's an example story brought in the Gemara of a man who laid his eyes on a woman that he was not able to have. And there's many opinions why. Either she wasn't his status or she was already married. The common, common understanding is she was a married woman and he desired her and he became very ill, right? He really, really, really desired her to the point that he became lovesick and they went to all these different chachamim who was about to die and they said, can she just like parade maybe naked in front of him or can she just speak there with him? And they said, no, 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 no. Um, you know, when somebody wants something they can't have, it, two things happen. Either the want goes away at some point, they move on, as we call it, right? Or the love, the desire consumes them to the point that they completely lose their existence. And so, how are we to move through life? This is not explicitly asked in the, in, in the last section, but this is really what it's addressing. How are we to move through life with this desire, with this yearning, with this wanting for Hashem that's never fully quenched, right? And we said that's where we actually meet Hashem. That's the infinite love. It's that we want Hashem and we want Hashem and we want Hashem Himself and nothing is enough for us other than Hashem Himself. And so, what are we to do with that love? That's really what we're going to address here. Um, we'll get into it in a moment. Before then, another question is, 
who are we to truly believe that we have such a love within us that no matter what, it's never going to go away, right? Like, again, two things usually happen. Either you burn up from a love that you can't get or it, you move on, right? I can't get God or God's hitting me with challenge after challenge after challenge and who's to say that our soul is not going to just give up at some point? Right, which is the whole message of the Mimer, is that no matter what, right? No matter what challenge, it can't extinguish the love. And we see the answer in Parshas Lech Lecha now, when we get introduced to this guy named Avram, right? And this woman named Sarah. And they were confronted when we, we spoke about two levels of challenges, right? We said that there are challenges that are called Avodat Abirurim, a challenge that comes with living in the physical world, which is really what's discussed in this mime, or the challenge of making a living, the challenge of surviving and thriving in a constantly changing, challenging world, and remembering Hashem throughout that. We said that that takes some sitting down and some logic so we can then confront the challenges that face us and overcome them. Then there's a challenge that we call Nisayon, right, which is an impossible challenge. And every single one of Avram's tests was an impossible challenge. Every single one. It made absolutely no sense that he would pass the test. And he passed every single test. And so the ultimate story of challenge coming, of struggle and of hardship, coming to challenge a relationship with Hashem, and the struggle failing every single time is the story with Avram Avinu. And we see this, we can compare this story, the Gemara really compares Avram Avinu very much to Eov. Have you guys heard of Job? Eov? No. Eov is... Pardon? That was his nephew? There's many opinions who Eov was. Most opinions say he was not Jewish. Eov, there's many opinions about everything about the book of Eov. Some opinions say that it's not a true story. The Gemara tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu actually wrote the book of Eov, which makes it the oldest book to exist in Tanakh. It's one of the books of the Tanakh. And it tells us the story of a man who, according to most opinions, was not Jewish, who had it really, really good. He had it really good. He, ha- he was very wealthy. He was very respected in his community. He had a lovely wife. He had many children. They were all healthy, which is a big deal, very big deal in those days. He was healthy, and he had it good. And whatever time period it was, one opinion says he lived in the time of Avram Avinu. One says he lived um, in the time of Yitzhiyas um, Mitzrayim, when the Jews left Egypt. An opinion says he lived in the time of the Beit HaMikdash. Whatever time period this was that Eov lived, Hashem was not happy with the Jewish people, and he was thinking of finding a new Avram Avinu to become the new father of the Jewish people. And Eov looked like a good candidate. He was very smart. He was a holy man. And Hashem was contemplating maybe finding a new patriarch for the Jews. And the Satan, Satan, who's usually uh, not on our side, came to Hashem and said, you're never, ever, ever going to find somebody like Avram Avinu again. Never. And so, Av, and so Hashem said, okay, I want you to go down, he said to Satan, and take this man Eov and con- inflict upon him every single possible kind of suffering you can inflict upon a person. And we'll see if he can withstand the test. And you know what? Maybe we can choose a new Avram Avinu, right? Maybe it's not just the Jews. We can find somebody else. And so the Satan went down and he killed his wife and he killed all his kids, took away all his money. And Eov stayed, you know, faithful to God. He didn't curse God out. And then God said, okay, look, you see, we can get another Avram Avinu. And the Satan said, yeah, but you haven't taken away his health yet. And then they, when they made him really, really ill, he had nothing left. 
he was ill and the whole story of Eov is his friends coming and consoling him and sitting with him and giving all the philosophies of the time of basically why do bad things happen to good people he was a good person and he was going through tremendous suffering and at some point he cursed, he cursed out Hashem at some point after he lost his health and you know, there's obviously many morals of the story of Eov it's a very interesting book it's a very very interesting story especially as about somebody who wasn't Jewish uh, I guess the only the only book in Tanakh whose main feature is somebody who wasn't Jewish. But the, the moral of the story is that at some point, the challenges break a person. And at some point, curse our God, you turn your back, right? Which is the logical conclusion. But that didn't happen, happen with Avram. And that's the story that we're learning now in Parshat Lech Lecha and Chayasara, that Hashem gave Avram impossible challenges, one after the other, after the other. And no matter what, and the Satan tried everything to make the challenge even harder, right? We know it, but the peak challenge of Akedah Sitzchak when he was on his way to sacrifice his son, which is an impossible thing for Hashem to ask him to do. And it's completely beyond reason and any sort of understanding that Avram would actually listen. He was on the way and what happened? The Satan came and put an entire ocean in front of him so that Avram literally could not go to where he was told. And what did Avram do? He just walked right through until the ocean disappeared. He just continued going, continued going. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that could break this, his love. And that's why, as we said, Avram was called Oyhavi. Hashem called him my lover, right? The one who I love. And so when we, when we ask ourselves, how is it possible we have such a love? And no matter what, no matter what we go through, our soul is always going to love God and we are always able to find a teva, find a refuge and a sanctuary where we can connect to that part of ourselves and always, always, always have that connection and deepen that connection with Hashem no matter what. And the answer is, well, look, who, look where we come from. We come from Avram. And that love, Tanya explains, that Avram really demonstrated and solidified in his lifetime throughout his challenges is given to every single Jew as an inheritance. We inherit this love and it's part of the nature of our soul. So it's just a really interesting kind of um, flow from the Maimar of Maimar, from the Parsha of Noach into the stories of the challenges of Avram, so we can really see them with a new light when we learn about them. Um, so it's really a gift at the end of the day. This love is a gift, and we said that the ultimate love we can receive from Hashem is only in the form of a gift, right? Because the highest level we can reach is when we're challenged, and it brings out the love that's called Ahava B'chom O'Decha, that we say in Shema. It's the love, an infinite love of Hashem that comes specifically from the struggle, but that infinite love of Hashem is not truly having Hashem. When we truly have Hashem is when Hashem actually comes to us and showers us with love, which is what will happen when, when Mashiach comes, right? Which is called the Avarabba. So into the second part of the verse. That if a person would give up all the wealth of his home, Ba'ava, in exchange for this love, they will laugh at him. Nothing, even all of the wealth of this man's house can compare to this love that we've discussed that cannot be washed away by the many waters. So what's the idea? Back to the question we started off with. If we're in a constant state of wanting Hashem, we either lose that want, if you can't get it, or it consumes us. How can we stay in the world with this want for Hashem, with this desire for Hashem, with this infinite love for Hashem that can never be quenched um, and still keep going. And the answer that the Altar Rebbe gives is that the answer is mitzvahs. And he shows it to us through the process of the Kriya Shema that we say every day. He explains, and again, I'm debating how much to go inside, outside. I don't have it with the English. 
Um, maybe I'll read a, a little bit from inside in a, in a few minutes. He explains the process that we go through when we say Shema Yisrael. So there's three, three parts to Shema Yisrael. The first is the first verse, which is Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, which is the point where we're, it's a meditation, right? It's the first of the two meditations of Shema. And the first meditation is us cover our eyes because we're proclaiming and we're meditating on the idea that Hashem is everything, on this concept called Ein Od Milvado, that there's nothing other than Hashem, which is why we cover our eyes, because we don't want to be meditating on the fact that there's nothing other than Hashem while our eyes are open and we see a world that tells us this is not Hashem and this is not Hashem and this is not Hashem, so we cover our eyes and we contemplate on the fact that there's absolutely nothing other than Hashem. This is called Yehuda Ilah, and we say Hashem Echad, Hashem is one. The oneness that we're contemplating is called the upper level of oneness true ultimate oneness of Hashem, which is that absolutely everything is Hashem, and there's nothing and no existence other than Him. And then we take our hand away, and we say, Baruch Shem Kavod, and I think Ashkenazim keep, keep their hands covered throughout Shema and Baruch Shem. I'm not sure what Svarim do, but in Chabad we take the hand away, and the reason is because the next meditation is that of a meditation called Yehuda Ta'a, the lower level of Hashem's unity, which is that Hashem is everything, but the world exists, and Hashem is the boss of the world. Hashem is the creator of everything, and he's the boss, he's the balabayit of a world that exists as well. What's the first one again? The first meditation, Yehuda Ila'a, which means the upper level of unity, the higher level of Hashem's unity, and that's the meditation of the Shema Yisrael, where we literally say, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, Hashem is one. And then we say, Baruch Hashem Kvod, which is speaking about different rays and levels of Hashem. Shem, Baruch Hashem, blesses Hashem's name. What's Hashem's name? It's an expression of Him. It's not Him Himself. Kvod, Malchuto, right? We know that Hashem creates the world through Malchut, through His speech. Li um, Olam, we mention the world. Va'ed, and Va'ed, Hasidus explains that if you, if you exchange the letters in certain ways, that like Kabbalah gives us different ways to exchange different letters to find connections between words, that va'ed actually means echad. And we're proclaiming, that, we're proclaiming in Baruch Hashem that Hashem is one, but that the world exists within that oneness. Hashem is the boss of the world. So it's the second level of meditation. And these two meditations are supposed to lead us to the love that we discuss in V'yahavta et Hashem Elokecha, when we proclaim our love for Hashem. And we discuss the mitzvah, the command that we have to love Hashem. So in order to get to this place of and then the three levels of the love, and the infinite love of we have to contemplate on Hashem's unity in the Shema Yisrael, Hashem's upper unity and lower unity, how Hashem is everything, Hashem is the boss of the world. And then we get to this place called which is already now us proclaiming our love for Hashem and working on our love for Hashem to bring it out and reveal it to the forefront. And then... After we speak about we start to speak about mitzvahs. Now you should teach Torah to your children, that you should wrap tefillin on your arm, that you should hang up a mezuzah on your door. And the Alter Rebbe, in the end of the Mimer, connects these two things. He says, okay, we've meditated on the truth and the ultimate unity of Hashem, to the point that we feel a love for Hashem. And Chassidus explains the word ahava, Love comes from the word hava, hey vav hey, which means to desire, to want. So when we're speaking about a love of Hashem, we're actually speaking about a yearning and a desire and a want for Hashem. Now that you have this want for Hashem, 
go and do mitzvahs. Not only personal mitzvahs within your own home with your own children of teaching them Torah, but mitzvahs with your body of wrapping the tefillin. Not only mitzvahs with your body, but mitzvahs all the way to the corners of your home by hanging up a mezuzah. And the Alter Rebbe explains what are we to do with this want of Hashem that comes from the contemplations, that comes from the challenges, that can never fully be quenched. How are we supposed to keep going? And the answer is through mitzvahs. <coughs> and he explains that, explains the advantage that mitzvahs have over Torah. Torah, he explains, is the verse of if a man would give all the wealth of his home. And he explains that Beito is referring to the Torah, Bait, and Hon Beito, the wealth of his home, is referring to the secrets of the Torah, the inner meanings and ideas and concepts behind the mitzvahs that we do. And this is a very high level to be able to get to the secrets of the Torah. But what's the verse saying? If a man would give up the secrets of the Torah, for this love. And that's the idea. That there's the love, there's the yearning, and there is the having. We can have God through learning Torah in the rays of the Shekhinah, right? That the, that the, that the souls and the tzaddikim are basking in. That's having God. But a smart person would trade all of that, all of that knowledge, and all of that revelation, which is represented by the concept of Hon Beito, the wealth of his home, his spiritual wealth, for this love. Because this love, this desire, is way more infinite and helps him reach God. It's not necessarily getting rid of, but he, he, yeah, he may be foregoing, foregoing his spiritual wealth for this love. What does that look like practically? Well, we can all run away from our lives and pursue spiritual wealth, right? Learn Torah the entire day, live in the mountains, meditate on God, and never be challenged by the physical world, which is the whole story we'll get to later, that's later. Not that's not encouraged. That's the whole story of the Miraglim, of the spies. The ten spies, they wanted to stay in the desert. They didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael because then they would have to start working the land and dealing with physicality. They wanted to just sit and learn Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu forever. And they were punished because God says, no, 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 no. That a person should rather give up all the wealth of his home, all of his spiritual wealth for this love. Because this love drives us to mitzvot. Mitzvot is the idea of confronting the physicality and transforming it, right? Teaching Torah to our children, wrapping tefillin on our arms, physically transforming our body into a vessel for godliness and our home as well by hanging up the mezuzah. And the idea is the advantage that Torah has over, that mitzvahs have over Torah is that Torah, we don't truly have Hashem with Torah. And this is, there are many places in Chassidus that say the opposite, but this Mimer is explaining that Torah comes from Chochmah. You have this idea that Torah comes from God's wisdom. Chochmah, that's which is the highest level of the Sephirot within the spiritual worlds. But Chochmah, at the end of the day, is just a ray of Hashem. It's a very, very, very powerful ray. It's Hashem's wisdom. But it's Hashem as He uses His wisdom to create the world, and it's Hashem as He is limited. So it comes from Chochmah, the Torah comes from Chachma, the whole world comes from Chachma, which is just a ray of Hashem, which we said when we contemplate on the idea that this whole world and everything we have and everything we know is just a ray of Hashem, that leads us to a burning desire to have Hashem himself. How can we have Hashem himself? How can we not either give up on this love, on this yearning because we're never getting anything or be burnt up and consumed by this desire? 
through mitzvahs, because when we do mitzvahs, we connect with Hashem himself. And the idea is that the mitzvahs come from Hashem's ratzon, from Hashem's desire. Why did God tell us to eat kosher, to keep Shabbos, and to do this and to do that? Because he desired that we should do it. And Hashem's desire comes from a higher place than his wisdom. And the mitzvahs are sourced in a higher place than the Torah. And when we do physical mitzvahs in this physical world, which comes with the side effect of confronting the challenges of life, you can run away to the mountains and learn Torah your whole life and run away from your problems. But if you really want to do the mitzvahs, as Hashem told you, you have to face the physical world. When we face the physical world, we get this burning desire for Hashem himself. And then when we do mitzvahs within the context of the challenges of our lives, we actually have Hashem. We don't truly experience that having now. That is true. There's an aspect of emunah that has to be present because it's not that when we do a mitzvah, we feel our godly soul. We feel our whole self and whole being being one with Hashem himself in that moment, which is what's happening. But when Mashiach comes, we will know the truth. When Mashiach comes, we will see how our mitzvahs, which are motivated by our love for Hashem, our desire for Hashem, which come from living and dealing with the physical world around us, are the only true way that we were actually able to reach Hashem himself. So back to the question, what are we to do with this love? And the answer is mitzvahs. Learn mitzvahs. Give up on the spiritual ideal of running away to the mountains or leaving this world and confront the challenges of this world and throughout that do mitzvahs. Find Hashem in every single aspect of your life. When you do that, you're not only going to want God, you're actually going to have Him. And so we'll see this a little bit inside. Before we do, does anybody have any questions or comments? Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit inside. I'm going to do we have send it? it. I'm going to send it to... I really need to make a chat. I don't know why I... Maybe does someone want to make a chat and add me to it? Just so that I can always send you guys these things. I just should remember. Emily, I'm going to send it to you again. Sorry. Just have to remember right here. This is a massive document. You do not have to follow inside if you don't want to. It's all in Hebrew, but it does have vowels. For those who want to follow inside and see this idea in the Altar of His words, I'll tell you where to go. This is the entire Torah or of Nayach. So it's all the Maimarim of the Altar of Noach. It's on... Well, we're in the first mimer. It's on page number five on the left. I have a question, but I don't know how on topic it is. Go ahead. Thank you. It's probably very off topic. If Abraham Avinu was like the first Jew, like he was the first person to believe in just one God, then what about Noah? Does it did? What about Noah? Why was Noah not the first Jew? Yeah. Well, I guess it depends what you define as what made Abraham the first Jew. If you define it that he believed in one God, then not necessarily is that correct, right? There were people way before Avram who believed that there was one God, like Adam, the first person. He didn't believe there were many gods, right? And he's a father of all humanity. So then the question really becomes, what does make Avram the first Jew, right? And the answer really is that Hashem made him the first Jew. The, the answer Hasidus gives ultimately at the end of the day is, no matter what Avram would or wouldn't have done, Hashem chose him to be the first Jew. And it wasn't actually dependent on his actions at all. Although it's interesting because then we learn all about his amazing actions um, that he did towards 
finding out the truth of Hashem. But at the end of the day, why is Avram the first Jew? Because God chose Avram and Sarah to be the first Jewish people. They were very good candidates, right? Um, but the truth is that Hashem chose them. It wasn't dependent on their actions. That's one opinion. That's one opinion. But that's the opinion that I remember learning, so I'm giving that right. over. Um, so, so it wasn't his belief in monotheism that made him a Jew. Because otherwise, as you said, there would, there would have been many, many candidates. Okay. Do you guys see it inside? Page, this is very nicely, like, paged and stuff. Page number five on the left, with im yitain ish et kol hon beito, which is the last part of the mimer. If a man would give all the wealth of his home. Okay? So we'll see how much we'll read inside. I might skip around a little bit. Ki hine. Behold, mvo'ar lamala. It's explained above. Ech shemayim rabim, how the many waters... Which represent the challenges of making a living, and the rivers, which represent any thoughts of physical matters, which are called by the name of Narot, they're called rivers, I'm not sure what that's referring to. Okay? So it's explaining that. On the other hand, there's water which gathers together and stands. The difference between water which gathers together usually and stands still, that's the nature of water, to want to flow somewhere and then stand still, as opposed to a river which is constantly gushing, right? Like the physical thoughts and challenges that we have are constantly coming. But calls there, all of these things, the challenge of making a living, <coughs> the distractions of the physical world which are represented by the water and the rivers, <coughs> are not able to extinguish the love. The Adarab and on the contrary, Bohem with them, the Al Yadam, and through them, Dafka specifically, Tavo, a person can come, Le Prinata to a level of love, Hayotergdola, which is even higher, Hainu, which is referring to the Chinat Bechol Mo'odecha Hanal, to the level of love that's called Bechol Mo'odecha with all of your might, the infinite love of Hashem that we discussed above. The Leze Omer Acharkach, and afterwards the verse says, if a person would give up all of the wealth of his home, hon the wealth of his home, nikra is called chokhmata Torah, the wisdom of the Torah. Shehen pirush, which what's the Torah? It's the explanation, the ta'ameh, and the reason for hamitzvot, the mitzvot. Shenimshach, which is drawn down mipchinat from Hashem's wisdom. And then we'll skip here, explaining how. The Torah, the Chochmah flows down, which is represented by the rivers that flew, that came down from Eden, from Gan Eden. Um, go to the three lines from the bottom after the full stop. Sheshashan, their source, the source of Torah. The Pchinat Chochmah comes from Hashem's wisdom. which is called the beginning of the chain of descent of the order of creation. What's the beginning of creation? Chochmah. Everything started off with Chochmah. And from there it came down and it just descended down to the world that we have now. The Eino Aroch Klau, but you cannot compare Hashem's wisdom at all. Legabai Mohotov You cannot compare it to Hashem's essence. Shehulamalam Eshtashlut, because Hashem is way, way higher than Seder Eshtashlut, than the spiritual worlds as we know them, right? Hashem's essence precedes that. Chochmah is the source of Torah, which is a ray of Hashem. It's a light of Hashem. It's a 
piece of Hashem, so to speak. It's not Hashem himself. <laughs> this is the idea, if a man would give. Who's a man? Who's ish? It's referring to a contracted level of godliness. There's different ways we can refer to man. And when we refer to man, to a person, to people as ish, we're referring to a concealed, contracted form of godliness. Hashem ish milchama. Hashem is a man of war. Milchama is represent, represent, war represents gvorot, represents severity. And gvorot, severity, represents simsum, represents contraction. In order to draw down from God's essence, to bring the world into being through Hashem's wisdom, which is only a ray of Hashem, it's impossible to do so, to take Hashem from who He is in His essence and draw Him down into Chochma. It's impossible unless unless we put God through, so to speak, many, many, many contractions and concealments. What's the point here? The wealth of his home, his spiritual wealth, his Torah, the reason behind the mitzvahs and, and the, the reason and the explanations for the mitzvahs come from Chochmah. And Hashem's Chochmah is a ray of the truth of his essence of who he really is. It's not Hashem himself. And this is what it means. If a person would give up all the wealth of his home, ba'ava for love. Shehu avat ba'komodecha. The love is referring to this infinite love of Hashem, hamavor lamala, which we explained about. That can only come through challenge. Shehu leishtava begufa demalka, which is what's called in the Zohar to cleave to the body of the king. It's the way we truly reach Hashem himself, his essence, not only his light. Kmosha Katuv, page six, as it's written, mili bashamayim. Who do I have in the heavens? The imcha lo It's you that I desire, King David says. I don't want the heavens. I don't want your Torah. I don't want your explanations. I don't want your light. I want you yourself. That a person should not desire. And the upper or lower levels of Ganeden. Because this is just a ray and a light of Hashem. What does a person want when he gets to a place of this love? He wants to cleave to the body of the king. Which is Hashem's essence. The And this is why his hon is disparaged, so to speak. Boz means to, to disparage. It's, it's nothing. Hon The wealth of his home. Because it's just a ray, the dilemaven, and this is enough for those who understand. So this is explaining what Hon Beito is. Hon Beito is incomparable to Ahava, to this love of Bechomodecha. Why? Because the Hon Beito, the wealth of his home, his spiritual wealth, comes from Chochmah, and Chochmah is just a ray of Hashem. Achen, however, Kol Zeh, all of this, who haperosh v'tamea mitzvot, this is all an explanation and reasoning for the mitzvot. Shehu b'chinet Chochmah ta'torah, which is the wisdom of the Torah, Shanimshach mi Chochmatayit which, as we explained above, is drawn down from Hashem's wisdom, from His Chochmah. <coughs> but the physical action of doing the mitzvahs themselves, like wrapping tefillin, like being in the sukkah, like the commandment to physically give charity, the action of tzedakah, etc. 
So, however, if we would compare mitzvahs to Torah, they come from Hashem's will, from His desire. Which is beyond reason, which is drawn down to Chochmah. And we see that the source of mitzvahs is very, very high. It's much higher from the level of Torah. Okay, therefore, the mitzvahs, Hashem's desire invested itself specifically into physical things, which can never come to a place, to a place of understanding. They descended to a place that's beyond reason. We can never truly understand the mitzvahs and truly understand how Hashem's invested in physicality. And that's the whole point. Because once we speak about understanding, we're speaking about chokhmah. When we speak about chokhmah, we're speaking about a ray, a light, and we're speaking about limitation. When we want to reach Hashem Himself, we have to go all the way to the mitzvahs, to the physical things and the physicality around us, because that's where Hashem's desire invested itself. We following so far? Yeah? Okay, amazing. By the way, most people don't learn this last part of my Rabim, so you guys are uh, you're doing good. You're doing good. <coughs> okay. As explained, as our sages have explained, that his wisdom comes in hints. And if you really want to understand somebody's wisdom, the truth of what they know, you have to listen to the things they don't explicitly say. Because the things that they explicitly tell you and they teach and they express are a limitation of their true understanding and of their true genius. It's in the hints and the throwaway comments that you can truly understand someone's wisdom. So, something that's very deep, it's impossible to reveal it, the deeper with speech, only through hints. Like in a way of, that he points to it with his finger. And we see this, um, I, I've brought this example before, I don't think to you guys, but with certain teachers that how do you really know the amount of depth of knowledge that they have behind them that they're not expressly telling you? Then they'll be like, oh, and yeah, with the throwaway comments that they say that refer to you know, this book that they've learned and this thing that they've read and this concept, that's when you can really understand that there's so much more to their wisdom than what they're actually teaching you explicitly. It's in the hints and the throwaway comments. So too, Hashem's Torah, he explicitly told us and drew it down through his Chochmah. It's in the hints, it's in the mitzvahs where we can see the truth of Hashem and his wisdom and his knowledge. As it says, Ken mitzvot matziot. The same thing is true with physical mitzvot. The place is because their source is very high. It's like the internal desire of Hashem, the innermost desires of Hashem, which precedes and transcends understanding. This is impossible to be revealed, the matter down here. Rather, only if it invests itself in physical things. Because we can see the beginning in the end specifically. The idea is that mitzvahs are expressing such a powerful level of Hashem that it couldn't explicitly be shown and told to us. So it invested itself into physical things. And by us doing those physical things that we do not understand, that's when we reach God. So it's with the challenges that we discussed before that lead us to this love of Hashem, that lead us to doing the physical mitzvahs where we can truly have from the we have and have Hashem and cleave to Hashem. And now we have a few minutes. The altar is gonna explain this process through the Shema as I discussed outside. We'll see it inside now. 
The zero, for those who are following, we're on page six, one, two, three, fourth paragraph. The zero, this is what we're saying in the Shema, the Hayu Hadvarim Ha'ele, and these are the things Asher Anochi Hayom, which I am commanding you today. Kihine Kol Parshat Krishma, because the entire chapter of the Kriyat Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hurakit Bonanut, it's only a contemplation about God's names. The Aliyadeze, which then leads, and we discussed the contemplation of the higher level of Hashem and the lower level of Hashem, which leads to the Ahafta, to this love. To the point that a person reaches this love of a level of an infinite love. Which is a love that causes a person to be included and to cleave to literally Tashem's essence. The E of Shazot, and it's impossible to do anything with this love unless Kiim, unless Ayadei through Kiyom Mitzvotav Yitbarach Dafka, specifically through fulfilling Hashem's mitzvahs. Shehen Pnimiyot Ritzono Yitbarach, because they come from the internal level of Hashem, Vanaot Sofan Batrilatan. And we see the end result. We see the beginning and the end result. This pasuk that we see the beginning and the end result, we're going to discuss in a different mimer at length. The zehu, and this is what we say in the Shema, Asher Anochi Metzavacha Hayom. He breaks it up. That which I am commanding you today. Nisha Anochi. I, Anochi, is referring to Hashem's essence. When Hashem refers to himself as Anochi, like he does in the beginning of the Aserat that they brought, Anochi Hashem Alakecha, Anochi is referring to Hashem's essence. Shehu Mehuso Musa Mamash. This is Hashem's essence. This is not just a ray of Hashem. So I, Hashem, from my essence, is commanding you. How do we reach the level of Anochi? How do we cleave Tashem himself, which is the yearning that comes, level of which comes from the challenges of this world, through completing, through fulfilling the physical mitzvah specifically. Hayom, today, Shehayom Dafka, specifically today, in the situation where we find ourselves in today. In the situation where our soul is invested within the body. Which is not the case. Before it invested itself in the body. Because there it was only reveling in the rays of the Shekhinah. And this is what it means when it says you will speak about it. It's the idea of speaking Torah. Of taking Torah from the intellectual spiritual hon beta spiritual wealth and bringing it into speech bringing it out into the world as it says you should tell it the akimat that moving your lips is already an action so as we see with the process of shema that the meditation of the truth and the unity of hashem which we think about despite the challenges we find our teva, we find our time to contemplate on the truth of Hashem, which then leads to this very tremendous level of love. What do we do with that love? We put it into physical mitzvahs, because when we do that, we can actually quench the love by connecting to Hashem himself. And we see that throughout the process of the Shema, that we do that specifically by speaking the Torah to our children, not keeping it for ourselves, not keeping it intellectual, bringing it all the way down, by wrapping the tefillin, by elevating our physical body through mitzvahs, and not only our physical body, but all of our surroundings to the point that every corner of our home has a mezuzah. And the altar of it ends with a quote from Shira Shirin right afterwards about Achotla Nuktana, that we have, a, we have a, a little sister, we won't read it inside, but 
Shirashim then goes on from, from the verse of Maim Rabim into the fact we have a little sister and it speaks about all these sufferings that this little sister went through and it finishes off with the idea of the little sister that she's achas, that she's one. She's the one who reaches a unity with Hashem, this little sister who went through all of this suffering and all of this challenge. And so this is the end of the Mimer, which is really what to do with this love that we now have achieved through the suffering, right? Through the challenges. And the answer is we can really get what we want by doing the mitzvahs. We don't experience it in the moment. That's why we want Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, we'll be able to look back on our time in exile, on the challenges, clearly see how the water rose up the table, how the challenges made us who we are and gave us the connection with Hashem that we do have and how the mitzvahs truly united us with Hashem himself. And um, that's the Mimer. Okay. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Oh, someone made a chat. Yay. Who made this chat? Thank you. Chassidus with Esther. Perfect. So now I can always just send you guys stuff. Okay.